And we're live. Episode 9 of Athletic Insights. We're joined tonight by our guest, Jesse Mills. Jesse, how are you? Not too bad, man. How are you? Good. I'm finally got it started there with a little technical difficulties, but we're, <laughs> off, and run- we're off and running now. So um, for, for those of you at home, uh, Jesse Mills is, or I should say was, the starting quarterback of the Carlton Ravens during a really, uh, really fascinating uh, time. They were turning the new program around. So uh, before we just get too deep into it, Jesse, tell us a little bit about um, your youth sports athletics when you were out in Halifax. And uh, I mean, another thing that's interesting about this podcast is you're the first outsider of the community of Brockville, Ontario. So no pressure. But uh, yeah, what did, what did youth sports look like for you out in Nova Scotia? Um, well, first of all, thanks a lot for having me. I, uh, you're, doing, you're doing awesome work, so it's a pleasure to be a part of it. But um... In terms of the in terms of youth sports, I started playing uh, basketball and soccer. I feel like most people kind of did it at a young age, and then uh, probably around grade five, I I got into playing football and uh, never really looked back. And played uh, <clears throat> played bantam there, and then started playing high school, and uh, and yeah, so and that brought me into playing university. When did you uh, When did you start to take football uh, quote unquote seriously? Um, I think it was probably getting close, getting close to high school. It's uh, it's a little bit different in Nova Scotia where we don't have these big uh, summer leagues to play in, and so a lot of the players, if they're going to play football, they'll play high school football. And so um, the school that I went to, had the privilege of going to, was a was a bit of a powerhouse. And so as soon as you got there, like they had, if you were starting in grade ten, which which a high school is doing in Nova Scotia. Uh, you'd be training with the program already when you were in grade uh, like nine type thing. So this was at Citadel. Were, this is at Citadel, yeah. So right, they were okay. they were running like a like a, almost a, a university program in in high school. They had like thirty full time coaches and weight programs at the local gym. And so that's when I really realized like if you want to if you want to take this thing seriously, you need to put in the work. And so they they definitely held you accountable to do that. So that, I think high school is really when it got serious. Yeah, no, for sure. That that uh, that definitely makes sense, and it's painting a little bit more of a picture for me. So, um, for for those listening at home, I actually I was lucky enough to kind of just meet Jesse by happenstance in the, I think the cafeteria or the weight room at Carleton University yeah. uh, seven or eight years ago now, and um, he had taken a huge risk. Jesse had taken a huge risk transferring to Carleton that didn't have a team at the time, and he was gonna you know he was the face of the program. He was gonna be their guy after. Um, playing his first year at St. Mary's. So, Jesse, talk to me just like a little bit about the decision that brought you um, to Ontario from uh, Halifax when you were in a position to have a career at SMU as well. Um, I think, uh, like, growing up, I, I, I was around St. Mary's all the time, and they would always hold these football camps um, in the summer. And I got to know Coach Samara from a pretty young age. And so when it came time to decide on a university, it was it was pretty much a no-brainer to go to St. Mary's. And a lot of that was due to my relationship with Coach Chimera. Um, so when the opportunity came up for, well, when he moved to Carleton and the opportunity to uh, to follow him and he showed me, you know, the plans they had for the for the school and talked to me about the history of the Panda game, uh, it was kind of a no-brainer there to to be a part of something really special. So um, in hindsight, I'm really glad I made the decision, but it was definitely uh, – it was definitely a little bit nerve wracking to begin with. 
What was that transitional year like um, where you were at Carlton and they didn't have a program yet and you, I, I believe you played Sooners. So what, what yeah. was that transitional year like? Uh, you know, it was a lot of just getting into the playbook because, uh, like you said, there was no program and, and there was very few actually people from the team even committed by then. So uh, Coach JP and I and Coach Samara spent a lot of time uh, really getting to know the playbook from a really early stage. And so by the time that next fall came around, it was like I had known the playbook kind of inside and out. And, and as guys started committing and coming to, to the city, we, we kind of brought them in and and taught them the playbook. So, but it was, it was kind of a, um, you know, you, you didn't want to like when playing Sooners, I didn't want to, you know, get hurt for the next year, but you also wanted to stay fresh. So it was kind of a, an interesting balance you had to strike, but it was a, uh, it was a fun opportunity to play with the Sooners. It's a great organization. And um, I'm thankful for that opportunity as well. And I think it was uh, just having that year off to really dive into the playbook definitely gave uh, an advantage when the fall came around. And I think it was also probably like a really cool learning experience for you to get those game reps at St. Mary's as an 18 year old, and then to have that year off. And then you kind of almost restarted your, your university career. So um, yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I think sure. It was, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, and that was definitely, I mean, obviously I think you, you made the right decision. Um, my obviously most fond memory of, of watching you guys was, uh, <laughs> Panable, and for those of you at home who have no idea what we're talking about, uh, Jesse, you want to just talk a little bit about the history of the Panable, and then I'll uh, I'll finish the story up there. Yeah, sure. Uh, so the Panable was a, a game played between Carleton University and Ottawa U, and so it was this this crazy crosstown rivalry between these two schools, and you know it was the one game that if anybody was going to go to a game, they're going to go to the Panda game, and. Uh, Coach Samara was telling me stories before, like kind of on on selling the opportunity was that the engineers at the time would create these massive slingshots and fire uh, balloons full of who knows what across the Lansdowne field to the other side. So he painted that picture pretty well. And uh, the games definitely lived up to that hype for sure. Absolutely. The first one I got to see, uh, I think Nick Gorgachuk actually played the majority of the game. Am I right there? That was, was the it first Go- year at was it, was it Gorgachuk who played the game that you went in with, like, the last play through, like, an 80-yard touchdown? Yeah. No, no time on the clock for the win at Panda Bowl? Yeah. yeah that that, that's a moment that, obviously, you're never going to forget. I'm never going to forget. Anyone who was there who might have been on the more sober side are absolutely never going to forget <laughs> that. Yeah, that was, a, that was a fun game. Um. So, so Jesse, a big a big – part of this podcast is it's to be a resource for um, youth sports, athletics, um, organizations, coaches, parents, players, young athletes, that kind of thing. Um, so before we get into the university stuff deeper, can you just like kind of talk to us about what maybe your process looked like in, in, in high school and the things you were doing differently to separate yourself to get to the next level? Yeah, sure. Um, and, uh, and again, I, I think the process really started with, with seeing the environment that I was in, like it was, it was very much one of those schools where when you came in as a, as a grade 10, uh, there was a lot of seniority there. So you knew the grade 12 was going to play um, 90% of the reps, unless you're up a lot. So it really instilled in you that, that drive to, okay, what do I have to do to get onto the field? Um, and so, you know, in grade 10, I had an opportunity to, to get in and play some snaps. And, and to me, that was kind of a big deal because I realized that, 
you know, not everybody gets that opportunity at school. And um, my friends who are like my lifelong friends now, and they, they, they were all my groomsmen at my wedding, but they, they hated me during high school because I was at the point where I was, you know, I was skipping parties to go to the gym. I was, you know, I was bailing just to work out and, and just staying focused on that. And, and uh, in hindsight, I probably wish I didn't do that as much, but um, you know, it was really that just doing, doing everything you can to go the extra mile to, to get that edge. And whether that's like footwork or if it's just throwing the ball or getting in the weight room, um, it was just doing more than the guy next to you. And so that, that was something that really transferred over obviously to university and at a much different level. So that's really kind of what set the tone. Yeah, I really, I really, uh, I relate to that point you said there that I, I used to get a lot of uh, crap from my buddies too. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Friday night, it's 10 PM, you know, where are you? Oh, I just, I'm at the gym. You know what I mean? They just don't want to yeah. hear it. But, but you know what? Uh, at a certain point when you're, you're a young athlete who wants to be elite and play at the next level, you, you kind of can put all that other stuff aside for the time being. Like, don't get me wrong. I had a lot of fun in university. I, I had a, you know, I, I took football seriously and also had fun. And I'm sure you feel the same way, but um, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot in high school because those are the informative years where the decisions you make matter. So um, whether I was staying in to study or do some training or watch film or whatever, that's, that's super important for the young athletes listening to this who, who want to get to the next level for the right reasons. If you want to get to the next level for the, for the right reasons, those are the things you need to do and you need to make those sacrifices. So. Um, absolutely yeah, yeah for sure jesse it's, that's uh, a, a good it, point if it's if it's easy then everyone would be doing it and and uh that's ultimately what it comes down to for sure yeah so um let's just talk a little bit about you, the impact that you had at carlton like how did it feel to i mean because it's you know it's got to be a little awkward you were the poster boy like for a whole year or two before you know other guys came in that were notable like nate behar and and whoever but mm -hmm. you know when you think Carlton football, you think Jesse Mills right now. So what does that mean to you? And how did that kind of shape you while you were playing? That's very, that's very kind. I, I think uh, some other people would have definitely some, some different opinions there, but I think, I, I don't know, like it, it was just such a, such a unique opportunity and um, like being able to, when they started recruiting more people, being able to be a part of that recruiting process as well. And and seeing all these great players come in, um, you know, it, it really felt like you were creating something from scratch, which we were, um, but to have a, to have input in that and, and to be a part of that process was really something uh, pretty special. And I think I've told this story to, to a few people, but I, I still remember like Nate was pretty much there. There's a few guys who had, who had come from Halifax as well. And I remember Nate was like the first, like, big recruit and he was this guy who was, who was so sought after by Western and all this stuff. And I remember still uh, when he called to say that he was like committing and everything. I was in the weight room actually at Carlton and I was like ecstatic, like so happy. And it was just, and that's, I think when it really clicked, like, wow, like other people are seeing what this opportunity is going to be like to come play here. And um, I think after, after Nate committed, I think that's when a lot of people really, so, well, like some, they're, they're really actually doing something special at Carlton. I think that drew a lot of attention. Yeah, no, absolutely. What did, uh, did you and Nate have a, a close relationship? Was he, was he your guy, like your number one receiver or how did, yeah, uh... well, we, I think our offense just in general did a pretty good job of, of spreading the ball out. But uh, when Nate came for his first uh, recruiting trip, he was still in high school and 
and we stayed in pretty close touch um, throughout the throughout the, his season and and uh, leading up to when he signed at Carlton. So you know we're best friends, and and uh, it was a pleasure to play with him. Like especially now he's in the CFL, and and uh, and he's gonna have a great career there. But yeah, no. What were uh, what were the growing pains like at Carlton? Because I mean, obviously the first year wasn't very. Uh, successful, but then honestly, you guys snapped out of it and you improved every year there for a while. So I think that's one of the things that's really special about what Carlton has done so far the last, uh, I guess it'd be like six to eight years, but they're continuing. Like there, there's this sense of um, urgency and belief that that's a program that is going to win a Vanier in the, in the near future, at least, or at least be in the mix every year. So I want to just yeah. talk about some of the growing pains in your first couple of years there. It's funny because like everyone who came in, you had to know that the first year was going to be just an absolute ass kicking. And so, um, but it's different to say that and then actually go through it. Like, you know, we played our first game um, uh, against Western and got absolutely pumped. I think it was like 71 to three. Um, And then I can't remember what game it was, maybe game three or game four, but we played, um, we played Waterloo at home and it was, it was kind of like a glimpse of, it was a, not, I wouldn't say a close game. It, we had some glimpses of w- what we could really accomplish, but still it was like, you know, we were, a lot of them were 18, 19 year old guys playing against fourth years. And so it was really, you know, we're not trying to win a Yates or a Vanier in year one um, as much as you would love to, but it, right. it's about just like all the small victories of like, okay, nailing nailing all the concepts that we're trying to do and 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 really like putting a lot of emphasis on those things because that's that's ultimately you know when you talk about year three and year four when we are really really good like it was those small things in years one and two that that really built up to that so it was getting guys really to to focus on like the the end game of of what we could accomplish and there was definitely a, a pretty high turnover, I would say. And because of that's, it's not a fun thing to do. It's not a fun thing to go out knowing that you're not really going to have a, have a chance, but it's about just getting better every game. Hey man, I played at Bishops. I, I get it. <laughs> Dude, I get it. When, when we were in the RSCQ and, and we had to deal with Montreal and Laval, it, it wasn't fun. You know, they've got sure. a, yeah. a, bud, a budget of over $3 million and, and we're operating on $300,000. We're not playing the same game. You know what I mean? Sure. That's a different yeah. game. So uh, one of the things I actually really wanted your opinion on actually was the, the parody in the U sports football, um, not just uh, RCQ, Quebec, Ontario, and Can West, but across the board, um, there seems to be some issues lately, especially uh, the AUS not being remotely able to compete in the national mm-hmm. semifinal games. Um, so I kind of want to get your just opinion on it. And quickly, I'll just touch base on mine. I believe that, the U sports needs, there's two options. They need to put a cap on how much money programs can have, which, which mm-hmm. is probably counterproductive or two, uh, go to like an elite eight system. So there would be almost two tiers, like almost a division one and a division two in Canada where the best eight teams, you know, for, for example, uh, UBC or not UBC, sorry, maybe Calgary, one other team from can West, uh, Carlton Western, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. have everybody else and maybe even have a play in to get into tier one every year. But anyway, so I just kind of wanted your opinion on uh, on uh, some of the parity issues and, and solutions potentially. I mean, I, I honestly would agree with your your view on on the eight team kind of division one, division two. 
Um, I, I think that, you know, it, it's tough to, it's tough to say that just because you've, you've won this conference that now, now you're a shoe in to, to uh, either like the national semifinal or, or the, or, or what have you. But I think a lot of the issues come down uh, in my opinion, like to the funding, like, you know, exactly like you said, people want to go where they know that they're going to have, you know, not only opportunity to play, but scholarship money, who, who has the most money to give out, like, you know, school's not cheap. And I think for people who are, um, especially maybe, you know, they're going to university mainly to play football, they're going to go places where they're going to get the most money. And I think there's a huge discrepancy in between like what you can offer in the OUA. I think it's like capped at, you know, I think there's different scholarships you can apply for, but I think the broad ones are capped around four or five, five grand. I could be, I could be right. Yeah. yeah no, so in there, Ontario, but... Ontario, I think it's five grand tops. Yeah. But then there's other places that will pay your room and board. Like there's places that will cover your entire tuition. And so it's a really, um, it's an interesting dynamic for sure, but I think there needs to be something more. Um, you need to look at it a little bit more objectively and say, okay, just because you, you won this conference, like uh, it's a tough thing to, to get around just to say that because I mean, if you, if you beat all the teams that you're playing, it's not really in your control about, you know, okay, maybe we can prove that we can, you know, beat a team out West, but you don't really have that opportunity. So it's uh it's definitely a tough dynamic. I think it would be interesting to see maybe some more crossover games between the AUS and, and RCQ. Um, I think one thing that a few of us have talked about before is like, what, what would it look like maybe if Dalhousie, at Holland College and these schools that have had like a pretty decent like club program, if if the, they the AFL if they get, there, yeah, if they if they get a little bit more funding and, and things like that to to enter the AUS and at least um, you know put some more teams in there because I remember playing, well you, you would have played as well, but I remember at SMU it's like you play Mount A three times in a season and it's like okay, you know there's that, some sort right. of right. Well, that problem has been remedied with bishops joining, but because. Um, you know that Bishops sure. is in the AUS now, right? Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're the fifth team, but I agree. I think a sixth team would do a lot of for like just validity. Um, yeah, I think I think Dalhousie and UPI. There's there's something they got. Yeah, I, I completely agree there. But uh, what uh, what was your most fond memory of uh, playing for Citadel and then playing for Carlton as well? Uh, I think uh, playing for Citadel. I think in our last year was probably the most. I can't really nail down a point. Uh, like one particular game, but just the overall, the team that we had, um, I think of the 24 starters, I think 17 or 18 ended up playing in university. Um, and uh, I can't remember a game that I actually played past halftime. And, and I don't think we ever won a game by less than 50 points. Like it was, it was we were in a different, uh, a different league. And I think like when we come to, when we came to Ontario for university, people were always like, oh, you know, yeah, guys from out west, like, oh, our high school ball is way better. And I think it's, it doesn't really do it justice because people think that the quality of football in Nova Scotia is so bad. And so if you're beating these teams by this much, it must be so bad. But it was genuinely like, like we had teams forfeiting in our last year because they didn't want to play us. And so I, it was just that team. Like it was, it was just a really special, uh, a special team. And I, we kind of started this legacy of like I think we, we won like five provincial championships in a row and it went on to uh they've won a bunch bunch since then but the the coach that we played for coach Mike Tanner he's been um he's a legend in Nova Scotia he was the coach at Queen Elizabeth High School before 
they merged Queen Elizabeth and St. Pat's into Citadel and he had won like I don't know the figure but he, he has uh, he, he's won a lot of provincial championships there and so to play under him I think was was pretty special uh, and a lot of those guys yeah like I said went on to play at university level so um, but then going to Carleton I think that that first win at Waterloo in our second year was was probably the most special moment I think like there's a lot of other big big games in there like beating Western at home and uh, at homecoming and things like that but I think that first win against Waterloo was really something that was it was like finally all that hard work like paid off of and years the, of hard work too right like even going yeah. back to high school like that's your first win in the program you chose to be at that's that's huge yeah and so it was like uh like this picture I have at home is like Samara and I hugging after that game so it was more than just like you know a first game it was like what what we envisioned not even that first year but the year before the program started like what we could accomplish and I think just we, we finally got a taste of what that was like and uh yeah no that I think that was probably my my favorite moment very cool and uh can you tell us a little bit about your team world experience uh what that did for you how the experience went in general and then just touch base on your recruiting process so like what did recruiting look like for you in grade 11 and 12 sure um yeah the the team world um experience was was pretty unique um i think that gave me a lot of a lot of insight and context like into what kind of quality of play there actually is in the states and obviously they're they're powerhouse in the states but the fact that we actually went in and and beat the team usa for the first time was was a pretty fun fun experience to be a part of but it also kind of gave you that extra drive of saying like you know playing with a lot of guys who are now in the nfl you know playing against Jameis winston eli Anc- you played with eli anku right yeah yeah he's yeah. a really and, good guy uh, Tavon Smith was a stud as well and uh so to play with those guys and then you bring that back to your university team and it's like it kind of just gives you another um edge I guess you can say and and being able to to know okay we played against the best of the best so because the confidence does a lot for you I'm sure you know so my god um (laughs) that was that was a big thing for sure yeah uh, before we touch on uh, on recruiting there the the confidence comment Yes. Confidence in, in, in youth sports and in university sports, it's the ticket. Um, the guys mm-hmm. who, you know, I think confidence comes from outworking everybody because when you mm-hmm. have that approach to it, no matter if you have a good game or a bad game, you can still hang your head high and be like, I know these are going to happen. Like you're going to drop balls. You're going to, you're going to miss throws. But if you like, truly believe that you're outworking everybody, um, that's what confidence is. It's not, I'm the best naturally it's I'm the best or I feel like I'm the best because I put all this work in. Um, I think confidence is just preparation, honestly, preparation and time. For sure. For sure. And then, yeah. So what did recruiting look like for you? I imagine you got quite a bit of attention. Um, I want to know if you got any from the States and then how, uh, what schools in Canada were you talking to? Um, Yeah. It was, it was kind of funny. Like, I kind of knew, not not knew all along that I want to go to St. Mary's, but I had it kind of, you know, I wanted to play in front of my parents. I, I want, like, I grew up watching Eric Glavik and guys like that at SMU. So I, I knew I kind of wanted to go there, but definitely going through the recruiting process, um, Queen, talking to Queens a lot, uh, talking to Ottawa U. And it, and it was funny because it's, it's funny how things kind of come full circle because Coach JP was at Ottawa U at the time. And uh, after the Canada Cup, 
in uh, that would have been grade 11, I guess. He was recruiting pretty heavily, and I my main reason for not wanting to go to Ottawa U is that I didn't want to I didn't want to leave home. I wanted to play in my hometown, and then uh, you know a couple of years later, he ends up being my OC at Carleton. Hmm. And it's like, oh, I thought you wanted to stay stay at home. So that, that was kind of funny. But um, talk talked to Calgary a little bit. All the AUS schools um, went went on a couple of visits to Concordia. Um, there after the team world experience, there was a few. I, I wouldn't call them offers, but I was talking to a couple like D one AA schools like Rice, Florida Atlantic. But very cool. Nothing very I, cool. Nothing ever really wanted to I don't know, I, you know and, and to be honest, it was the it was the team world experience that really put a lot of that into context was like I ultimately narrowed it down to like, do I want to go somewhere and say I played there or do I want to go somewhere and actually have a, a, a good career and a, a long playing career? So that I kind of I kind of shifted my mind away from going to the states pretty early right um, i think i even remember you telling me that uh, a couple of years yeah. ago that you just they bring in so many quarterbacks you just didn't want to get I, that makes a lot of sense right that's great advice yeah. great advice so and uh yeah but it, it's tough too because they, they want to recruit obviously as many guys as they can but you know when you're saying you know we, we think you could be a good addition to our program but then they're recruiting you know seven other quarterbacks it's like okay well what's really going to happen here and um, but I think having guys like, um, Michael O'Connor and, uh, there's another kid here from Ottawa. I can't, can't remember his name, but these guys are really, I think, creating a different path for Canadian quarterbacks to go down to the States. So, um, yeah. What, uh, what do you want young athletes, but specifically young quarterbacks to know about, um, you know, what it takes to get at the, to the next level and the process and, and all that stuff? Um, I would say a few things, like especially in, especially in the context of a quarterback. Yeah, take take your time, you're, man. You're put into you're naturally put into a pretty um, pretty unique position of leadership at well, depending on when you start playing at, at a pretty young age. And I think understanding that you know as much as it's a team sport, absolutely. But guys are looking to you, and and guys are looking to you on the field, um, looking to you to set an example in the weight room. Uh, looking to set you example, watching film. So really understanding that your your responsibility on the team is a lot more than just showing up. Like you have to be, you have to hold yourself to the highest standard. And with that all, obviously comes with holding yourself accountable and, and doing things you may unnecessarily, you know, it's not fun to get up super early and go for runs, but, or go hit the weight room. But if that's what you need to do to to set the example and have these guys really believe that on game day, like, you know, they can trust you. Um, I think that's super important, but I think just overall, I, I think you've said it before, like what you get out of it, what you put in is what you're going to get out of it. And I think at the quarterback position, especially like you need to be that, um, that shining example of, you know, you're, you're outworking the next guy. And if you're not, then you're probably not playing. But um, yeah, I think it's important to really know, that you are a leader on the field, whether or not you, you feel like a leader or not. And I think, uh, I think with that, you become, it, it gives you a lot of confidence just to, just to not necessarily go out there and, and feel like you're leading the team, but it, it just gives you that much more confidence to, um, to instill confidence in other guys as well. Like you have a much bigger role than just, just taking care of yourself. Like you know, a lot of guys will look to you. So especially as a young quarterback, that's important. 
Yeah, it's just about uplifting your teammates. They, the offensive line and the receivers, they want to play for a quarterback that plays hard and that, um, you know, that they like, and that's a good guy, right? Like offensive linemen want to block for someone they believe in, and, and receivers are going to spend an extra second with the, their eyes on the ball for a quarterback they believe in, 100%, mm-hmm. 100%. What, uh, what was your, like, biggest motivation when you were growing up? Because, uh, like we've talked about before, we, you know, for me, it was about when I was 16 years old, when I just said, I'm all in. I don't know really what turned the, the, the switch on for me. I think I just wanted to know if I was good enough because I was from Brockville and there's such a stigma in this small town about, oh, he's good, but he's from Brockville. So I really wanted mm-hmm. to, for myself to go, go see what was out there. And that was my biggest motivation to do all the stuff that you were talking about, the weight room, the, the leadership and all that extra stuff. So uh, what was yours and, and when did you when did you pinpoint it? Uh, that's a great question. I, I think, honestly, I think it goes back to that kind of high school era of, you know, really early on seeing that if you put the work in, you're going to be rewarded for it regardless. And so uh, that kind of that kind of spilled over into this it's kind of the same thing what you were saying about coming from a smaller town and, and not really been giving the, the benefit of the doubt. And so when when it came to playing team world, it was like, now you're coming from a very small football town to playing like in texas like the world stage of of football and it's like you're really starting to see like all that hard work you put in come to fruition and i think um i think those days in high school where it was really like okay if you set yourself apart through your work ethic like you're going to be set apart through uh, your play time and, and ultimately the the opportunities you get so i think that was kind of the time that i realized um you know, if you, if you go all in about this, it's, you're going to get rewarded. And so I was, yeah. What, uh, what do you want people to know about Carlton's program? So um, specifically I'm working with so many young athletes that all want to play football and I get the opportunity to talk to so many different athletes who played in so many different programs. And then it's, you know, it's, it's out there for, for the young athletes I work with and the other young athletes I don't work with to, to get to listen to you. So um with respect to Carlton's football program, which you're obviously a huge part of, it means a lot to you and you're an alumni. So you're going to support it moving forward. What do you want um, the young athletes making these decisions about on recruiting uh, to know about the program? Um, I, I think, uh, I think a couple of things, like they're always going to put as much as, you know, as you know, as a, as a former student athlete, it's always a joke that like you're an athlete first and a student second. But yeah. I, I, I genuinely believe that the, the Carleton coaches made a, a pretty strong effort to ensure that you were passing your classes, showing up to classes, um, and, 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 not, and not just making you a good football player, but making you a good person and, and on and off the field. And, and Coach Samara has always prided himself on making sure all of his players graduate and things like that. Um, and I remember in first year they would – they would send coach hall to do classroom checks and you had no idea which classroom he was going to, or if he was, if he was going to show up, but that alone made you go to class for sure. And, um, but then on top of that, you have um, the facilities obviously are, are very high, high level. And I think the funding that Carlton has, they've, they've replicated the Laval model of being privately funded. So you don't have that reliance on necessarily the university to come up with the funds that you need to, to travel and, and, uh, and, and do things like that. So 
they have some pretty unique partnerships in terms of, and I think a lot of schools do now, but in terms of making sure that you have all the supplements you need, um, they're giving you meal tickets during the day. So you go to meal hall to eat. Cause that was another huge thing. It's like, and, and you obviously know this as well, but like when you're, when you're on campus all day, you're going to classes, you have lifts, like it's very hard to find that time to eat and, and not just eat anything, but eat well and, and be ready for practice at, at four o'clock. And then, um, have meetings as well so they do a really good job of just making sure they're they're taking care of their players um, and you know it's it's as much as they do have a long history before that that like 13 14 year hiatus it is still a, still a relatively new program and so I think there is still a lot of opportunity to go in there and and make impacts and and now you're starting to see a lot of guys come out of the come out of the Carlton program and, and go play in the CFL. So I think that really speaks to the caliber of, you know, the coaches and, and the, the strength programs and, and all that stuff that they have going on there. So it's a very, uh, it's a very, I guess, like holistic approach to, to developing athletes. So I think it's a, it's a great place to be. That's awesome. Um, one thing I, I really want to get your, your take on was you got to participate in the CFL quarterback internship program. Am I correct? Yeah. And did you do that for two years or one year? I did that for, uh, for two years. Yeah. Very cool. So can you tell us about that process and, and, and what you took from that back to uh, Carlton's training camps? Yeah, I think, I think the main thing just being, uh, being exposed to guys like at the, at the time, uh, like Henry Burris is with, with Ottawa when I was there and, and just picking their brains about absolutely everything. And, and and they're and they're teaching you things that are obviously as you get to higher and higher levels like the the things that you get better at are are the smallest and smallest changes to what you're already doing and so getting insight in that regard about okay like how are you working your eyes like con- consciously thinking about where you're looking and and it sounds uh it sounds kind of uh, kind of silly but like as a quarterback like the safeties are always looking at your DBs are always looking at your eyes and it's it's not something you necessarily think about all the time, but then you get to the next level of, okay, not just am I going to stare straight downfield, but I'm actually going to start like looking off the opposite way or I'm going to, or I know what the linebackers are looking for here. So I'm going to play to that. And I'm going to, I'm going to look like I'm like throwing this Texas route or swing route and come back. So um, I think it was just getting those little nuances of the game um, exposure to those and bringing those back. I think that that really helped a lot. And, and, obviously the receivers we had at Carlton were very good, but there was at, at the time, like throwing with guys who were in, in the CFL and, and had come from the NFL like that, that gave some confidence to going back to Carlton. And now it's, it's like, if you're, if you're throwing with these guys, then it, it almost makes your, um, the sense of your timing a little bit better. I think like it just gives you a different perspective of, about how I, I think quarterbacks, they always want to stick it to the receiver. And, and I think, Having a lot, having a lot more faith that you know you have to have trust in your receivers as well to to be where they need to be, and I think that our our receiving core got a did a really good job of that by third and fourth year. Like we, the receivers, I think knew coverages just as well as the quarterbacks, and I think that was a fun thing. For sure, you've you've got to throw quarter or uh, receivers open, and, and they've got to know where the extra space is. And you you got lucky in the sense that like not just with Nate Behar, but you had Van Weinsberg and you had some other like really high IQ, mm-hmm. IQ mm-hmm. players. I think you guys just complimented each other really well. I think the, the way, the way that Steve and uh, the staff recruited was 
um, not necessarily around your game, but everyone's game seemed to just kind of mesh a little bit. And then in the later years, you started to find running backs kind of like diamonds in the rough. And and then things really started picking up for the program. Um, Yeah. For for sure. Do you want to talk about that at all? Just like the development of uh, the receiving core and and the running backs that came in? Yeah, I think exactly like you said, like we wouldn't – we wouldn't try to put a guy in a position where he wasn't going to be good. Like they, they were always going to put you in a position where you're going to be your best. And I think that really, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, okay, like it's, it's part of the game. So you need to get better at it, but then it's, it's some people are are always going to be relatively better at, at certain things than other people. So I think the coaches always did a really good job of putting the receivers in the best positions possible to, to make big plays. And um, I think having running backs, like we had, you know, Javari Bennett was a thousand yard rusher. Then Jade Rowe comes on and had a thousand yard rusher. And so having running backs like that really opens up the pass game. And so, you know, I, I always joke that my job was pretty easy because I had the receivers I had and had the running backs I had and had the O-line I had. You know, it's it's um, it's not hard to thrive in that sort of environment. So I'm um, really yeah. thankful for the guys around us for sure. Um, and for the coaches for for recognizing that and not trying to you know stick somebody where they shouldn't be or or anything like that. Who uh, who was your biggest role model while you were while you growing up playing football? So when I was in high school, uh, there was a guy who had come from. Uh, I think he had come from. He's gonna hate me for this. I can't remember. It was it was he had been at a few different schools, but he played at Auburn at what time and. Um, was at Florida State at one time, I believe, but he ended up coming to St. Mary's for a year um, and playing there. And, and his name is Micah Brown. And he, he was really a, a huge mentor for me throughout high school and, and really like navigated me through the recruiting process of, of going to university. And, and uh, he was a huge role model for me, still is. And, and he went over to Europe and played like, I think eight or nine years and won like championships every year. I think one year he was the quarterback and head coach. Like he was just a, he was just a phenomenal player and, and an even better coach. And yeah, he, he was definitely a big role model for me. Did you have a, uh, any specific perceived failure or a low point that really challenged you? Um, one of the things on this podcast I ask everyone is because sports is full of ups and downs and highs and lows, and we don't want to just sure. shine light on the, the awesome aspects of it. We want to talk about what sports really looks like. So is there a specific time, mm-hmm. um, a specific time at Carlton or, or before that you were struggling with something and you came in on the other side stronger? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, the second year at Carlton was kind of that story in uh, in a nutshell for me. And I think like, first year at Carlton I started every game and obviously we knew what the outcomes were going to be like for that season so it it was more of just a development year but then uh the next year we we played our played our second or our our first game of the season we won uh second game of the season we went down to McMaster and and you know uh you know it was a different game plan that I personally wasn't uh wasn't super comfortable with it was a different offense and things like that and and that's ultimately when Nick Gorgachuk got the opportunity to, to play and um you know he he kept on playing for uh, I can't remember how many how many games after that but so as soon as I had come in like one minute I'm here and I'm kind of like the you know like starting quarterback you know they're yeah you're the guy this offense around you 
And then in a moment that's kind of pulled out from under you. And it, it really is a gut check. It's like, if you really want this, then you're going to have to, to put in the work and not to say that I wasn't, I, I think, uh, <laughs> I think there's some topics for another podcast. Sure. I shouldn't get into, I, but I know, I think, I know uh, exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly <laughs> but, what you're talking about. You kept your head on but, straight and you focused on football. Other people did other things and you got your job yeah. back. So let's just leave it at that. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to end it. <laughs> but, but that was it. Like you came out on the other side stronger and you realized like, once you had a taste of what that felt like you never wanted to feel that way again and so you you did everything in your power to make sure that you're never going to be put in that situation again and, and uh thankfully i wasn't <laughs> no absolutely um last thing here for you i just want a piece of advice um for youth sports athletes young quarterbacks whoever you want to uh specifically tailor it to but just the next generation of young athletes what do you want them to know moving forward to push put to grow sport and to, to push uh to push them forward I think just for athletes in general, um, you know, we're, we're so privileged to be in an opportunity to play sport and, and they've been a privilege to play at a high level. It's even, even more so, but you know, at, at some point, and, and, and if you're super lucky, you're going to play pro. Um, but for, you know, 90% of the guys, if you get to, if you get to play in high school, maybe that's your last time ever playing football. But I think for 90% of the guys who play university football, that's the last time they ever play football. And now it's yeah. time to, you know, something that's defined you your entire life. Like, I mean, I played football for, you know, like 15, 15, 16 years before I ended up, you know, graduating and not playing at the next level. And so you really need to, you know, when you're going through the process, you don't necessarily think about it, but you really need to take every lesson or not take every lesson for, for granted. Like you're, you're, put in this incredible position to to learn all these things like accountability and time management and and what it actually means to put in work and, and things like that and so w when you transition out of that that life of being an athlete um and how you apply that to now the real world i think makes all the difference like um speaking from from personal experiences here but i know you know a lot of my close friends are, have played sports as well and and they kind of say the same things um about you know how to transition that work ethic from from your playing years to 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 your professional career and i think that's one thing to to really keep in mind and and to really take advantage of all the resources you have especially you know being in university like especially if you're on a scholarship you know take advantage of that don't go in there and just take bird courses which <laughs> i did but you know really do something that you you think you'll you'll enjoy to do after university because ultimately at the end of the day a, a lot of people go the route of you know football ends and now you're gonna now you're gonna kind of start over and, and how you recreate yourself I think depends a lot on what you got out of that experience playing you know not just football but you know any sport at a, at a reasonably high level I think you 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 hold yourself to a different standard and and that will differentiate you in the workforce just as much as it will uh on the field so I think that's the that's the biggest thing I think that was one of the best pieces of advice that we've had on here to date. I think that um, transitioning into the real world, you really see which student athletes were in fact student athletes. And then you can really see which student athletes were just there to be an athlete. Um, just quickly before we wrap up here, one of the things that me and you had talked about before the podcast was, um, you know, being young and having played university athletics, me and you are both, um, in relatively successful positions for our age and 
employers, they want to hire student athletes who applied themselves and did things. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I just, I just think that was a, a great way to end it there, Jesse. Um, I really appreciate your time, the young athletes in the community and the parents who listen to this will absolutely, um, uh, appreciate it. And if they have any questions for you, I'll, uh, I'll reach out again. So I just want to thank you for your time and, uh, keep Definitely. in touch, man, no. for sure. Keep in touch with me absolutely. and, uh, we'll do another one in the future. Absolutely. And, and thank you for having me on. It's, uh, it's, it's great to see what you're doing and, it, and it's things like these, I honestly think are are huge for people coming up and, and they don't necessarily know, you know, where to get guidance and, and, and how to navigate all the things that you're talking about. So I think, you know, the value that you're adding for, for young athletes is, is huge. So thank you for doing that. It's, it's awesome. Man, I, I really appreciate that. That's, that's essentially what this is just a gross sport. And uh, I always say when people ask me what, what's motivating me to do this and, and what's my why it's simple. It's just be who you needed when you were growing up. So um, we're going to leave yeah, it there. Awesome. That, that was uh, episode nine of Athletic Insights. Jesse, thank you. Thanks, man.